a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Well, Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another great episode of the Bing Crosby Show. Today we have Hopalong Cassidy as our guest. Of course, played wonderfully by the actor William Boyd. Uh, I think it's interesting that on these radio shows... Um, so often you'll have somebody come on, not as the as the uh, actor, but come on as the character that they play. Uh, I suppose this is most often done probably by the folks over at Amos and Andy who would come on, and uh, whether it's Kingfish or Amos or Andy or whoever would come on and, and be their actual role on their guest appearance. And Hopalong Cassidy did this a lot too, where he would come on and... and Everybody would refer to him as Hoppy and not uh, William Boyd. But I guess that's something he wanted to do, and he certainly seemed to enjoy that role. He's known for not being much of a cowboy himself. Um, he didn't like Western music. There's a lot of things about being a cowboy that he wasn't. But he enjoyed being Hopalong Cassidy. And he was Hopalong Cassidy in 66 different films. That's a lot of time and a lot of films. Uh, he was originally, I guess, going to be uh, an assistant, um, not an assistant, but uh, not the lead actor, not Hoppy. He was going to play a supporting character, uh, but then he asked to have the title role and ended up winning that role and keeping it for years and years and years to come. Yeah, I think he started in 35 as Hopalong Cassidy, and the last one was maybe 1949, so that's a long time. Anyway, I hope you enjoy his performance with Bing Crosby here. And also, Dinah Shore also appears, and we get to hear the lovely Dinah Shore. She's an interesting one, too, in that Dinah Shore, I've mentioned before how, you know, you see her kicking around in the 40s and early 50s. And then in the 1970s, she has a talk show, and she's dating Burt Reynolds, and it just seems so wild uh, to think that 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 she just seems like she's from the totally the wrong generation to be dating Burt Reynolds but it just sort of crisscrossed where he looked maybe a little older than he was and she looked a little younger than she was and so it all kind of worked out and they enjoyed each other um I'm not sure how long they were dating but it was throughout the mid 70s anyway early to mid 70s Anyway, enjoy her performance. She does a fantastic job. Um, solid performer for her whole career. And uh, Hoppy's great too. And Bing's in wonderful voice tonight. So enjoy them all. For you, what every smoker wants. Mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. 
By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfields are milder, milder, plus no aftertaste. So hold, open a pack and give them a sniff, then you smoke them. Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed in Palm Springs, California, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the Bears and Bing's guests, Hop Along Cassidy and Dinah Shore. Well, I guess everybody's awake now. <laughs> huh? Bing, what, what's the idea of packing a six-shooter? You showing off because Hoppy's on the program? Listen, Palm Springs is a mighty dangerous town. In case of trouble, I aim to defend myself. Defend yourself against what? Why, you never can tell when you'll be attacked by a wild man-eating lion in this bird. <laughs> and the old lion that jumps me is going to get it right between the eyes, boy. <laughs> Whoops, sorry, lady. That fur coat fooled me. <laughs> now, come on, Bing. Pull yourself together. There are no lions around Palm Springs. No lions? You kidding? Don't you read the papers? Oh. Why, last week, a 400-pound lion got loose at a party here. If you don't believe me, you can ask Sonia Henney, William Powell, Alan Jones, Charlie Burns, oh, any yeah, number yeah, of fellas is right. up there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, I, I did a, read about there that. Where there was a great big uh -huh. lion running around. Remember now, that lion got loose, got out of its cage at a big circus party out at Rogers Ranch Club. Yes, in a case like that, Ken, it's perfectly all right to eschew etiquette and fan on out of there. You don't even have to bid your host and hostess goodnight. Just take it on the author. I wouldn't even... <laughs> I wouldn't even wait to say goodnight to Irene. <laughs> I was wondering, Bing, there were an awful lot of Hollywood people at that party. Uh, why didn't you go? Well, Ken, I, I don't mind going to a big party and having some half gassed yocker back me into the corner and bore me to death, but I ain't going to go to any party where I'm going to get clawed to death. <laughs> I don't know that. Oh, nobody got clawed. Stuart Hopps, the fellow who gave the party, said everyone was excited, but they thought it was a lark. Lark nothing, it was a lion. <laughs> Claws, teeth, nasty temper, and everything. Oh, Bing, why get so excited about a lion? After all, a lion is just a big, overgrown pussycat. <laughs> just an overgrown pussycat. Huh? That's right. Can along that same line of thinking, Mount Vesuvius is just a big, overgrown Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> But I don't want to be around when it gets loose. You're going to be there. No, I ain't going to be anybody near that. Well, uh... <laughs> Bing, outside of worrying about the local lion situation, are you uh, enjoying yourself here at the Springs? Oh, Ken, I love it here. Good. What hotel are you stopping at? No hotel. No? Oh, no. I'm roughing it this trip. Oh. I'm staying at Bob Hope's house. Well, then you're not roughing. I am, but I am, Ken. I tell you something, when I let, let a fella use my house, you know, somebody that I'm supposed to be yeah. friendly with, I always leave a chunk of meat or a piece of cheese or something to nibble on in the refrigerator. Naturally. You mean to say that Bob didn't leave you anything to eat? He emptied the refrigerator before he left? Well, it wasn't... The refrigerator wasn't quite empty. There were two dozen cans of Minute Maid fresh frozen orange juice in it. That's good. I'm a clever boy. The clever boy that he is, he left a little note saying, if it's so good, live on it. <laughs> so I'm living on it. Oh, 
thing, I've driven by Bob's house several times, but uh, I've never been inside. What's the, uh, the decor? The decor, you mean? Yes, what the... period furniture does he have? Well, it's either early American or late rummage sale. I don't know. <laughs> he has a liberal sprinkling of paintings, lamps, rugs, drapes, all of which are stamped property of Paramount Studio. <laughs> I guess that's logical. But he's got a really, he's got a very interesting little deadfall out yeah. there, Ken Bob. That's very nice. He has one room just filled with trophies and mementos. That's good. He has the cups that he won at golf, mm -hmm. and he's got the pool cue he used to make his living with. Oh, oh really? Inlaid handle and everything. Oh. Euclid <laughs> Avenue boys, it says. Huh? <laughs> and he has the bronze slipper, beautiful bronze slipper that was worn by a girl he did a Broadway show with. Oh, what girl was that? Lillian Russell. <laughs> Then in a big frame on one wall, he has the straight jacket that he always wears at this time of the year when he gets the news that he hasn't won an Academy Award. <laughs> Does Bob really get violent when he doesn't win the Academy Award? Does he really wear a straight jacket? The year I won it, he wore two. <laughs> and an Oregon boot. <laughs> Where'd he get the second one? He got it from me. I had one for myself, just in case. <laughs> Standby jacket. <laughs> Besides uh, Bob's trophy room, what else is outstanding in his house? Well, there's another interesting room. What's that? A very big room uh, where he plans all his trips, mm -hmm. full of maps and charts, sort compasses. of a briefing room, compasses and yep. sextants and mm -hmm. things. Then there's another big room that's full of money. Well, uh, gee, I think he put his money in a bank. This is a bank. <laughs> Matter of fact, I got a loan on my car there this morning. <laughs> what are you raising money in your car for? I want to buy some meat to put in the refrigerator. <laughs> I'll say one thing. Bob's house has beautiful linens, beautiful towels, all beautifully monogrammed. Oh, that's nice. Do mm -hmm. they have B-H on them? No, they're monogrammed B-H-H. B-H-H. Mm. Oh, I get it. Bob Hope's house. Oh, Beverly Hills Hotel. <laughs> How about a little music? Ken, what do you right, say? Good. I got John Scott Trotter all prepped here. Got a very nice arrangement for the rhythm airs and myself of a great old tune called Way Down Yonder in New Orleans. Oh, what's I got to do with Palm Springs? Nothing. It's a nice old tune. I'm going to sing it. John? Way down yonder in New Orleans, in the land of dreamy seas, there's a garden of Eden, boy, what I mean. Creole babies with flashing eyes, softly whisper with tender sighs, stop, or won't you give your lady fair a little smile, stop, you bet your life you linger there a little while. There is heaven right here on earth. With those beautiful queens Down yonder in New Orleans Orange blossoms, sweet aroma And the strains of La Paloma Really put you into a coma And the Cajuns all sway Then you see a picherino Do you know what I mean, oh? She can shake a mean tambourino While the Dixieland plays you give your lady fair a little smile stop you bet your life you linger there a little while there is heaven right here on earth with those beautiful queens way down yonder in old new orleans 
Oh, it's a great old song. Wonderful, Bing. Say, uh, say, Bing, mm. have you uh, read any good books lately? Ken, I'm an uh, omnivorous reader. In fact, I've just finished reading a book that's so important, every smoker must read it before buying another pack of cigarettes. I mean it. It's the, it's the 14th edition of Tobaccoland USA, brand new from cover to cover. And folks, to get your copy, you just send a penny postcard. That's all you need to Chesterfield, Box 21, New York 8, New York. Let me repeat that address, Bing. It's Chesterfield, Box number 21, New York 8, New York. Remember, Tobacco Land, USA. It's authoritative, authentic, revealing. Read it before you buy another pack of cigarettes. When the sun in the morning peeps over the hill and kisses the roses round my windowsill, then my heart fills with gladness when I hear the trill of the birds in the treetops on Mockingbird Hill. Tra-la-la, twiddly-dee-dee, it gives me a thrill to wake up in the morning to the mockingbird's trill. Tra-la-la, twiddly-dee-dee, there's peace and goodwill. You're welcome as the flowers on Mockingbird Hill. Got a three-cornered plow and an acre to till and a mule that I bought for a ten-dollar bill. There's a tumble-down shack and a rusty old mill, but it's my home sweet home up on Mockingbird Hill. Tra-la-la, twiddly-dee-dee, it gives me a thrill to wake up in the morning to the Mockingbird trill. Tra-la-la, twiddly-dee-dee, there's peace and goodwill. You're welcome at the flowers on Mockingbird Hill. When it's late in the evening, I climb up the hill and survey all my kingdom while everything's still. Only me and the sky and an old whippoorwill singing songs in the twilight on Mockingbird Hill. Tra-la-la, twiddly-dee-dee, it gives me a thrill to wake up in the morning to the Mockingbird's trill. Tra-la-la, twiddly-dee-dee, there's peace and goodwill. You're welcome as the flowers on Mockingbird Hill. You're welcome as the flowers on Mockingbird Hill. On Mockingbird the mayors. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present Miss Dinah Shore. Hi, Bing. Having fun here? Oh, isn't Palm Springs wonderful, oh, Dinah? Oh, yeah. I want to warn you about something, though. What's that? Keep your eyes open. Every now and then a line gets loose around this town, you know. Oh, that's why you're carrying the guns, huh? You're darn tootin'. Yeah. Gosh, last week a real vicious line went on a rampage here, you know, at a party. A lot of Hollywood people there, too. Oh, a lion wouldn't eat an actor. They like red meat. (laughs) (laughs) Fine talk. I don't know. An actor would make a nice hors d'oeuvre for a lion, then he could settle down to some red meat, you see. Just open up with an actor and then build. Yeah. Gee, you know, if I'd been at that party when the lion got loose, I'd have climbed way up on top of Gary Cooper where it was safe. (laughs) I guess way up there you'd be safe, all right. Be a nice trip, even if there wasn't a lion after me. 
This trip is necessary, huh? Yes, sir. I hear you're working at Paramount over at my, oh, my plant over there. That's right. I'm making a picture called Aaron Slick from Pumpkin Creek. Aaron Slick from Pumpkin Creek? Mm-hmm. Garnish, that sounds like a highly dramatic thing. <laughs> Who's in it, no. Orson Welles? No, you're wrong. That's a comedy. Comedy? Sure. Well, that's incredible. The title fooled me. It sounds like a very heavy dramatic piece. Well, Dinah... You're over at Paramount now, and I want you to know one thing. What's that? Anything I can do for you there, just, just let me know, huh? Well, uh, Bing, there is something you can do. What's that? Well, you see, we're building a house down here, and I was wondering if you could get me some of that furniture and drapes and stuff that stamped property of Paramount Studios. <laughs> I tell you, Dinah, the next time Hope and I heist the joint and make a little midnight raid there, we'll give you some of our action, huh? Good. I'll hold the lantern. Yes, keep the motor running, too. <laughs> What are you going to sing, Don? I thought I might do an old tune, making Whoopi. Oh, well, you make Whoopi and I'll go over and talk to Hoppy. Huh? All right. <laughs> another bride, another groom, another sunny honeymoon, another season. Another reason for making whoopee. A lot of shoes, a lot of rice. The groom is nervous, he answers twice. It's really killing that he's so willing to make whoopee. making whoopee. Dinah, real jolly. Now, if you'll excuse me for a moment, I'll introduce our next guest of the evening, the popular hero of all the kids in North and South America and points East and West, Hopalong Cassidy. Thanks, Barry. 
Thank you. Just a moment about your wardrobe. What goes on here? You in a snappy slack suit and argyles and flashy scarf and a rogue shirt and all. Uh, what's the Wait, what, what wait a minute, Bing. Hmm? Wait a minute. I just thought I'd show these dapper dudes that I have some dazzling drapey duds, too. Well, you are really a draped <laughs> dude, is right. You ought to have your cowboy suit on. You ought to be wearing your guns, too. Ah, uh, it's too hot for the suit. Guns, what for? This is wild lion country. <laughs> Oh, you don't need a gun for a lion. Oh, you don't. <laughs> no, if a lion looks at you, you just look him straight in the eye. Yeah, you look him straight in the eye. Say, can I ask you something? What's that? Supposing about the time I get ready to look this lion in the eye, this lion has my head in his mouth. What do I do then? <laughs> then look him straight in the tonsils. <laughs> well, if I get in that deep, I don't care where I'm going. I just want to see where I've been. <laughs> That happens to me, I'm going to pull out my six-shooter and let him have it. Bing, you don't have to worry about a lion. After all, a lion is just a great, big, overgrown putty-tat. <laughs> well, I don't want to run in any putty-tats like that. <laughs> what do you think of Palm Springs, Hop? Oh, hmm? it's beautiful, Isn't it Bing. lovely? But you know, Bing, I think I'd have liked it a lot better in the old days when it was just a little desert village. Well, you might be right, Hoppy. Of course, the old west itself ain't what it used to be, so... You know what we ought to do right now? Why don't we show the folks what Palm Springs was like in the rugged old days? Way back before Charlie Farrell ever thought of the racket club. <laughs> in fact, way back before Charlie Farrell was ever thought of. Now, that's what I call going way back. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Hoppy. Charlie is prematurely gray, you know. Yeah, I used to be, too. <laughs> Would you care to say anything? I pass. Pass. <laughs> I'd like some any color. Cerise, old rose, magenta. I wouldn't care. <laughs> Listen, let's get off this hirsute discussion. <laughs> Would you set the scene, Ken, for our, our little Western drama? Why, sure, Will. Right Ladies and gentlemen, as our play opens, we find the little desert village of Palm Springs in a frightful condition. It's cloudy. No! <laughs> Sheriff Cassidy has a tough job on his hands because much of the skullduggery and crime in the town is being perpetrated by a very slick varmint who keeps his identity hidden. Many folks think this dangerous criminal is a recent newcomer to Palm Springs named Nevada Bing Crosby. <laughs> a rough, tough cowpoke who's quick on the draw and afraid of nothing. I'm a curly wolf and it's my night to howl. <laughs> We can, we can win the war with that guy. At the beginning of our play, we pick up Nevada Bing and Miss Dinah Shore at her home, which is the Chi-Chi Bar X Ranch. <laughs> located a few miles from town. Overture, Mr. Trotter. Miss Dinah, I hope you won't think I'm forward in saying this, but, golly, you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen poured into a pair of blue jeans. <laughs> Honest you are, honey. Thank you, Nevada you, Bing. But real. I hadn't ought to accept compliments from an hombre like you. Daddy says you're a rustler. Oh, now, Miss Dinah, we've been sitting here in the swing all afternoon. Did I act like a rustler? Nope. This afternoon, you're more of a wrestler. <laughs> Say, tell me, Miss Dinah. How come you pull a gun on me every time I try to kiss you? I draw my gun because my lips ain't meant for you. 
Nevada, you're just a black-hearted, low-down, cattle-stealing, bank-robbing scoundrel. And I should pull my gun right now and fill you full of lead. Well, why don't you? Because it ain't loaded. <laughs> well, I'll be diddly dad burned. You mean I can kiss you, Dinah? Huh? Now, come on, you wild, powerful, ruthless villain. Put your lips right on mine and kiss weak, shy little old me. <laughs> Gosh, Miss Dinah, tell the truth, I'm scared. <laughs> Come and get it, Nevada. Okay. <laughs> Golly, my boots flipped off. Lordy, <laughs> hey. Lassie, you're lethal, ain't you? How about you and me getting hitched, huh? Let's oh, get hitched. Oh, What's Nevada, I love you, but Daddy says I can't marry you because you're a rustler. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do then. I'll give your Daddy back all the cows I stole from him if he'll, if he'll just let me have you. Well, that seems far and square. Uh-oh, look out, Miss Dinah. <laughs> What's the matter? What were you shooting at? I thought I thought Buddy Tat. <laughs> done to me. Oh, here comes somebody. Whoa, boy. Whoa, Topper. Howdy, Miss Dinah. Howdy, Hoppy. Are you acquainted with Nevada Crosby? I think so. Ain't he that low-down, good-for-nothing, murdering, thieving, beef shoplifter from Elko way? Hey, you know, Cassidy, for two cents, I'd make you eat those words. Okay, Nevada. Here's two cents. Well, keep it. I don't want to get in a higher bracket right now. <laughs> well, I'm taking you to jail. You better smile when you say that, Cassidy. I'll fill you full of lead. Folks will think you can stake out claims on you. Oh, simmer down, Nevada. You reach for your gun and I'll fill you so full of holes that when the wind blows, you'll play a piccolo solo. In what key? <laughs> Listen, Nevada. Hmm? Why don't you surrender to the sheriff peaceful-like, like you did to me? Well, I ain't going to kiss him. <laughs> You better hadn't, partner. Let me ask you something, Cassidy. If I surrender peaceful like, will I get a foreign square trial? Yes, sir. Right before we hang you, you'll get a foreign square trial. <laughs> now, come along. We'll hop along. Okay, hop along. Goodbye, Miss Dunn. Oh, no, I'm going with you, Nevada. We can get married on our way to the jail and spend our honeymoon there. But this man's a crook, Miss Dinah. You don't want that kind of a husband. If he don't hang, he'll be in the jail for at least ten years. Well, either way, I'll know where he is. <laughs> All right, let's get along. Pardon me a minute, Sheriff. I'd just like to present my credentials. What credentials, Nevada? Oh, right here. You'll find upon reading them that I'm not Nevada Crosby at all. In reality, I am United States Senator Harry Lillis Crosby. Oh, are you really a senator? That's right, honey. But you can call me San San. <laughs> See, Sheriff, I've been out here masquerading as a crook and a rustler so I could get the lowdown on the real crooks in this town. I'm taking this evidence back to Washington for investigation. Well, Senator, you certainly fooled me. Hoppy, I'm going to ask you to go back to Washington and testify for me. Of course, it'll be televised. Well, I guess television won't hurt any. <laughs> it didn't hurt you any so far. <laughs> well, we better get along, hop along.
Very, very jolly, Hoppy, Dinah, and Bing. Now let's move in close and sell the folks some Chesterfields, huh? Fine. Friends, there's every reason why Chesterfield is the best cigarette for you. First of all, Chesterfields are made in the world's newest and most modern cigarette factories. And next, Chesterfield gives you all the benefits of advanced research in the world's newest and most modern tobacco research laboratories. And Chesterfields are milder. 1,520 tobacco growers tell you that. But prove what they say yourself. The aroma from an unlighted Chesterfield is milder. And when you light a Chesterfield, you found the milder cigarette. Then prove what modern science and research discovered. What the taste panel discovered, that there's only one cigarette, Chesterfield, of all the brands tested, which leaves no unpleasant aftertaste after smoking. So smoke the cigarette that's best for you, Chesterfield. The cigarette that's made from the right combination of the world's best tobaccos and wrapped in the world's best cigarette paper. That's Chesterfield, folks. The cigarette that gives you mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. ABC, always buy Chesterfield. Buy Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfields are milder, milder, plus no aftertaste. So hold, open a pack and give them a sniff, and then you smoke them. Clients clamor for whenever the Guadalajara Trio is entertaining at the dollhouse in Palm Springs. Oh, for just a chance to love you. Would I love you, love you, love you? To take you in my arms has always been my goal. Sure as there's a moon above you Would I love you, love you, love you With all my heart and soul With all my heart and soul You ask me Would I love you if you let me Eyes that see, your eyes that know Would I love you? What a question When I'm yearning so Oh, for just a chance to love you Would I love you, love you, love you To take you in my arms has always been my goal Sure as there's a moon above you Would I love you, love you, love you With all my heart and soul With all my heart and soul Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's our closer for this evening. Our heartfelt thanks to Hoppy, Dinah, for joining up with us here in Palm Springs this evening. Oh, it was a lot of fun, Bing. Wasn't it nice? Oh, yeah. Uh, Who's going to be with you next oh, week, Oh, next Bing? week? Oh, I tell you, we're going <laughs> to... Come 
read your line. You'll read your line, will you? Who's going to be with you next week, Bing? Great. great. <laughs> next week, Hoppy, our guest is going to be Marilyn Maxwell, and also other talented and, and very stylish folk. Good night, everybody. See you next week for Chesterfield, which is the best cigarette for you to smoke. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in Palm Springs, California, by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Miss Marilyn Maxwell, Louis Armstrong, and Master Lindsey Crosby. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. Music Hall with Bing Crosby, Eddie Duchin, John Scott Trotter and his orchestra and chorus, the Charioteers, and Bing's special guests, vivacious Georgia Gibbs and loquacious Frank Morgan. And here with something brand new called Sioux City Sioux are Crosby and Trotteroo. Oh. I drove a herd of cattle down from old Nebraska way That's how I come to be in the state of Iowa I met a gal in Iowa Her eyes were big and blue I asked her what her name was And she said Sioux City Sioux Sioux City Sioux Sioux City Sioux your hair is red, your eyes are blue I'd swap my horse and my dog for you Sue City Sue Sue City Sue There ain't no gal as true As my sweet Sue City Sue I asked her if she had a bow She said yes, quite a few but still I started courting my sweet Sue City Sue. The first time that I stole a kiss, I caught her stealing too. I asked her, did she love me? And said, indeed I do. Sue City Sue. Oh, Susie. Sue City Sue. Oh, Susie. Your hair is red and your eyes are blue. Swap my horse and my dog for you. No floozy, there ain't no gal as true as my sweet Sue Say, I was listening to that song, Bing. Oh, I got you trapped, huh? You yeah. couldn't get out. Oh, it's in my contract. <laughs> I see, you gotta listen. But um, really, oh, it's a boy. very Paul catchy Ken. song, but a little silly, don't silly? you? Silly? With that song? Yeah. Well, Ken, I hate to encounter such sharp criticism so early in the show. What's your beef? 
Well, I think it's silly for a fellow to swap his horse and dog for Sioux City Sioux. This was an Iowa girl, Ken, and those Iowa girls are mighty attractive. They'll turn a man's head every time. That's right. Hiya, fellas. Eddie Dulce. Uh, say, uh, what are you... <laughs> say, what are you two Joes talking about? Girls. On the radio? <laughs> oh, no, these are nice, sweet Iowa girls, Eddie. Say, Bing, uh, you know, I knew a girl in Sioux City once, and her name was Sue. That's a coincidence if I've ever heard one. Did Sue have red hair and eyes of blue? No, she had blue hairs and eyes were red. Sounds like a very flashy filly. And what a figure she had. Hold it, Edward. If this girl had blue hair and red eyes, how did you ever get around to looking at her figure? Oh, I'm the restless type, I guess. I guess you are. <laughs> that clears things up in that department, yeah. But mm. don't get the wrong idea, Bing. Her eyes were gorgeous. They shone like two big red traffic signals. Mm -hmm. We didn't get along very well, though. Well, naturally, every time you had the love light in your eyes, she had the stoplight in hers. <laughs> How about giving us the go light on a piano number? Okay, I'd like to do a medley of yours as my heart alone and speak to me of love. You mean the song that Hildegard does speak? <laughs> Hildegard, oh, I love that song when Hildegard sings it all, beat it to the ball when it needs it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eddie. That was lush, as always. If you folks haven't heard the new Kern and Hammerstein tune all through the day, I anticipate your interest and approval by introducing it this evening in the hall. But first, the man who wants to spread it on thick about sandwich spreads. 
When it comes to making snacks and sandwiches, there just isn't anything quicker or better eating than the seven famous Kraft cheese spreads. And such a special help right now. For instance, take creamy-tasting, rich-flavored Kraft pimento, olive pimento, or Kraft relish spread. Be generous when you spread it on the bread, and that's all the filling your good sandwiches need, an extra help these days. For the children's mid-afternoon snacks, delicious Kraft pineapple cheese spread on graham crackers is another wonderful idea. And for party snacks, the zestful Kraft spreads, golden old English, hearty Kraft Limburger, and Roca with the flavor that's a special delight to cheese connoisseurs. They're America's favorites for snacks and sandwiches, these seven cheese spreads from the famous House of Kraft. When you buy, see the Kraft name on each label. debut in the Kraft Music Hall last week, the young singer from the Danny Kaye radio show registered in such smashing fashion that we lost no time in bringing her back. Her nibs, Miss Gibbs. Nice to have you with us again this evening, Georgia. What are you going to hit us with tonight? Oh, the ever-loving, everlasting, sunny side of the street. May I say, I think you look great over there. Thank you. Thank you. Grab your coat. Get your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep Just direct your feet To the sunny side of the street Can't you hear that pitter-pat And that happy tune is your step Life can be so sweet On the sunny side of the street Night used to walk 
in the shade with my blues on parade, baby, but I'm not afraid, cause this rover crossed over, and if I never, ever have a sand, be as rich as Rockefeller, gold dust at my feet, on a sunny side of the street I used to walk in the shade with my blues on parade baby but I'm not afraid cause this rover crossed over and if I never ever Georgia, that arrangement was gone. The mighty charioteers present us now with a fine spiritual, Little David. Little David, play on your harp, hallelujah, hallelujah, little David, play on your harp, hallelujah, hallelujah, David, play on your harp, hallelujah, hallelujah, David, play on your harp, hallelujah. Little David was a shepherd boy. He killed Shout for joy. Little David, play, play on your harp, hallelujah, hallelujah, David. Play on your harp, hallelujah, David. Play on your harp, hallelujah, hallelujah, David. Play on your harp, hallelujah. I don't told you once. I don't told you twice. <laughs> That's it. For shooting dice. Little David, play, play on your harp, Beautiful charioteers. But now, I presume you've all heard of Metro Golden Mayor's picture, The Green Years. I would like to present a man who has blue afternoons, paints the town red every evening, has had some of the blackest mornings in history, Frank Morgan. <laughs> well, thank you, but you're wrong about my condition in the morning. I'm as lively as a lamb. Frisky? Yes, with a little soda on the side. Oh. <laughs> 
By the way, Bing, I didn't see you out of the Hollywood Stars ballpark the other day. Oh, yes, I made the ball game. My, my director, Elliot Nugent, the whirlwind boy, he galloped through a scene in only six takes the other day. I managed to get away. Well, as long as you're so interested in the game, it's a shame you couldn't have known me in my great baseball days when I was playing with the major leagues. Well, I've had a little experience in the great American pastime myself, you know. Well. Yes, I'll never forget when I was with the Spokane Bloomer Girl. <laughs> only lasted two weeks. <laughs> Didn't like your playing? Didn't like my knees. Then. Oh. <laughs> well, that's small time compared to my activities in baseball. Oh. I'll never forget my most exciting game in the big league. It was the last of the ninth inning. The score was all tied up and I was pitching. Were the bases loaded? Yes. And I wasn't doing so badly myself. <laughs> I'll never forget that day and the excitement that ran through the stands when I first appeared on the mound. I could hear the public address system boom. Catching today, Barney Dean. Pitching today, Frank Morgan. Whee! <laughs> it, uh, it was my home grounds. Dramatically knocking the dirt from my cleats, I decided to pitch southpaw. Senator Claghorn was in the stands. Winding up, I let fly with the first pitch. Fast ball. Slow ball. Spitball. <laughs> Retiring to the side, I went to the dugout confident of victory. For this was the great team that was the famous for the combination of Tinker to Evers to Chance. A fan in the stands called down. Say, Mr. Morgan. Yeah. Will you point out the famous players? Why, certainly. That man there is Evers, and the one beside him is Chance. Well, who is that man over there all by himself that nobody will come near or talk to? Oh, that's Tinker. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Tinker. <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> Seeking some information myself, I approached a nearby player and said, Pardon me, my good man, but would you give me some information about the baseball uniform you're wearing? Well. I know that if you're a cardinal, you have a picture of a red bird on your shirt. And if you're a pirate, you have a skull and crossbones. Why does your shirt have a big pair of pliers? I'm a, a pink pair. <laughs> Just before game time, I was about to leave the locker room when a sinister-looking character came slinking up to me and snarled... Say, Morgan, yeah. I'm from the opposite side, and I'll give you 5,000 bucks to throw the game today. What? Offering honest Frank Morgan a bribe? I have a reputation of being the cleanest athlete in the game, and I'd never attempt to do business with a filthy crook like yourself. How do you want the money? Fives and tens. Leave them in my locker <laughs> What am I saying? Unfortunately, the baseball commission heard of this incident and I was banned from the game. This, however, left me eligible to be umpire. I'll never forget my first game behind the plate when the starting batter came up to me and said, I'm ready to play. I'm Trotter the batter. <laughs> well, your batter looks pretty loose to me. <laughs> but Trotter up to the plate. Play ball. Strike one, right across the stomach. Why all? That ball almost touched the ground. Strike one, right across the stomach. <laughs> I had been calling plays for some time when a man came to me and whined. Mr. Morgan, every day, game in and game out, you've been sending me to the showers. All the time, you send me to the showers. <laughs> well, what about it? Well, just once when you scrub my back, hmm? <laughs> 
sensing that he was all washed up, I tried to cheer him up. <laughs> I tried to cheer him up by telling him about my brother, Slowfoot Morgan, the hardest hitter and the slowest runner in baseball. In his first game with the Terre Haute Tigers in the summer of 1936, he hit the ball across the Indiana border over Illinois and into Iowa. That must have been the one that smashed the front window of Sioux City Sioux's house. Mm. I presume your brother had a home run. Not quite. When he finally reached first base, it was the fall of 1937. <laughs> and Notre Dame was playing the Army in the same field. <laughs> game boy, old Slewfoot. Where's your brother today, Frank? I'm glad you asked that, Bing, because only this morning I received a telegram from a mutual friend in Terre Haute. It read, your brother will be home for Christmas this year. He rounded first base last night. My dear, to be true And I am a fool for beauty Fooled by a feeling that because I had found you I could have bound you too You are too beautiful for one man alone one lucky fool to be with When there are other men With eyes of their own to see with Love does not stand sharing Not if one cares have you been comparing my every kiss with theirs? If on the other hand I'm faithful to you, not through a sense of duty, you are too beautiful and I am a fool. For beauty
Scott and the men. Aside from beautiful Mommy L'Amour and Hopalong Hope, Paramount's current epic Road to Utopia features a batch of pretty tunes, one of which John Scott and I would like to do for you in a minute. But first, here's Ken Carpenter with something very important to say to you. As Easter time approaches, our thoughts turn to the countless thousands of the little children of this nation who look to us, who are fit and well, to help them over the hurdle of recovery. Joy and life belong to Easter and to Easter seals. For the pennies, dimes, and dollars you put into Easter seals give crippled children their chance for happy living. We can appreciate the urgency of the Easter seal campaign this year when we remember that help has given half a million crippled children, about seven million crippled adults, and nearly 15,000 veterans. Since this is the silver anniversary of the National Society for Crippled Children and Adults, we feel that with silver, is the best way to say thanks for the good fortune that is ours. So when the postman brings the seals to your home this Easter time, give as much as you can to help our crippled children. Yes, it's not what they have lost, it's what they have left that's important. You'll see the bluebird of happiness on your Easter seals this year.
for tonight, folks, but we'll be back again next week, same time, same place. Bye. <laughs> Tune in the Craft Music Hall next Thursday and hear John Scott Trotter, his orchestra and chorus, the charioteers, Eddie Duchin, our special guests, Marilyn Maxwell, Les Paul, and his fine trio, and naturally, Bing Crosby. You know, Thursday night is star night on NBC. Why not tune in a little earlier next week and hear Dinah Shore? And after Bing, be sure and stay tuned to the Seal Test Village store immediately following. Good night, everybody. Are leftovers a problem in your home? Then listen to this bright food-saving suggestion from the Kraft Kitchen. An easy way to perk up your cooked vegetables is to drench them with a cream sauce, zestfully flavored with Kraft salad mustard. Simple, isn't it? And this is easy, too. When you want to make leftover meats more appetizing, serve them with a barbecue sauce to which you've added the flavor tang of Kraft salad mustard. Be sure to ask for delicious Kraft quality mustards at your favorite food store tomorrow. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Transcribed. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents a new drama with music, the story of Annie Laurie. Starring Gordon McRae and his guest, lovely Dorothy Warren Show. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Drag. Yes, tonight the world premiere of a new musical play is brought to you by the American Railroad. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now here is our star, Gordon McRae. <laughs> Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, Dorothy Warren Scholl will be a last named Jean Amour, and I'll be Bobby Byrne, the lad that wrote the sweet songs that Scotland and the world sing. And so, here's the new musical play by Lawrence and Lee, the story of Annie Laurie. <laughs> I've been to Scotland, where the heather lies like a purple blanket on the heath, where the lochs are silver teardrops in the valleys, and the mist is like a crown on the heathland hills. Or on a festive day, have you been to the marketplace of a country town, 
When lads are in their Sunday kilts and the pipes are playing a tune that no lassie can resist. I, that's for Scotland. The Scotland I love. Robert Burns! Why ain't you not dancing? I can't find me a lassie. <laughs> I said, it's one. There's not a lassie in Ayrshire when they come running if you ask them. Well, what's wrong with the music, Jamie? You can, Robin. Every good bug pipe's got the asthma. And you must give time off for a sneeze. <laughs> oh, I'll have a hundred pipers for the dancing on my wedding day. When will that be, Robin? On the day I can afford to pay a hundred pipers. Ah, the day of judgment will come soon, eh? <laughs> We're a hundred pipers and all and all. We're a hundred pipers and all and all. We'll open me them a blow, blow. We're a hundred pipers and all and all. Oh, it's over the border, oh, oh, oh. Good day to you, Robin Burns. Jean. Jean Amour. Oh, that's a fine, brave song you sing. Aye, and I'll be singing it in the New World soon. What? Far away in the Isles of America. And you know your faith will be bothered to listen to my songs. You cannot leave Scotland. You must not heed what my father said. Yeah, he's right, Jean. I'm not a fit husband for you. I'm a bad farmer who can't plow a furrow straight. A maker of songs that nobody sings but me. You understand, Robin? I cannot be your bride against my father's wish. Do you see me weeping salt tears? If Jean Armour will not marry me, there's a bonnier lass who will. Oh. She's already promised to me. Another lass? Will she go with you to America? She'll go with me anywhere I go. Maxwell, raise our body.
never spoke to me before about a last name, Danny Loring. Well, I didn't tell you everything about my life. I cannot believe it, Robin. After all the bunny songs and poems you wrote to me, and the whole time you was promised to another. Oh, Jean, Jean Amour, gonna be sad. A few more weeks and I'll be across the great ocean. Maybe here to trouble you with my kisses. It was no trouble. It was no trouble for me, neither. Only remember me, Jean Amour, as the lad what took you walking in the twilight and stole a kiss or two from you in the gloaming. Remember? Gloaming in the gloaming on the bunny banks of the time that we love best. Oh, it's lovely roaming in the gloaming. One night in the gloaming we were tripping side by side. He kissed me twice and asked me once if I would be his bride. She was shy, so I got bold and bolder on the journey coming ahead. Roaming in the gloaming on the bunny banks of mine. Roaming in the gloaming where my lovely farm was When the sun has gone rest, that's the time that we love. all past now, Jean Armour. I'm bound for the Isles of America where freedom's more than a word. And all men are British. Or so I'm told. Will I not see you again, Robin Byrne? Aye, Scotland will not see me again, Jeannie, when the wind is in the shoulder of my sail. Farewell, Jean Armour. Farewell. you want from me, lad? Are you Mr. Bark? Aye. The man who publishes books for all the world to read? The same. I have some poems here, written to me by a lad named Robert Burns. Her poems are at any effect. It would make a bonny book, Mr. Bark. There's music in the words he writes. Here how sweetly runs his song.
Bonnie ballad, lad, and you sing it as if you love the lad who wrote it. I, I love him. Will you make a book of his poems, Mr. Bark, and send him what money you can, for he needs it sorely. To the gamble, but if all his poems are the same lilt, I'll risk it. Lord bless you, sir, but give me your promise. What promise, lad? That Robin Burns will never know the name of the last for Brossy the Burns. Goodbye, good Jamie. My ship is weak. I cannot see you go, Robin Burns. My bagpipes will play not but a sad song after ye near the shores of Scotland. Jamie, each man must travel his own way, and often the paths go wide apart. But there's comfort in the knowing that every road will lead the way for Scotland, also leads the way back to it again. By on money burns, and by on money burns. Where the sun shines bright on Loch Lomond, where me and my crew were ever once again, on the funny, funny. Now, didn't delay me, lads. I'm on my way. Wait, Robin, there's news in the mail from Edinburgh. Naught can stay me from a voyage. Look, look. The songs of Robin Burns. My verses. Aye, your verses. Printed up in a regular book like a schoolboy spell. Oh, it is a thing of beauty, Robin. Makes me wish I knew how to read. Oh, what's that, a grim slip of paper? It's a bank draft for 20 pounds. Oh, Robin Burns, you're a wealthy man. Oh, nay, Duncan, but we'll pay my debts for most. Where did they find the verses? Oh, no miracle, that. Every Latin laugh in Ayrshire knows your song. And the letter. Where's the letter, Robin? Oh, here it is. It's from the man who made the book. Aye? He wants me to come to Edinburgh. He says the city's agog with my poems. I'm a famous man, he says. Ah, oh, you cannot leave Scotland, no, Robin. Nay, you want to run off to the Isles of America, no. You're right, Jamie. I'll no leave Scotland. I'll take the high road to Edinburgh. Oh, you take the high road. I'll take the low road and I'll be in Scotland. 
We'll return for the second act of Annie Laurie in just a moment. I couldn't have believed it. The poems of poor Rhymer Robin swept through Scotland like a blaze. In Edinburgh, it seemed that everyone wanted to meet me and to shake my hand. Do you think it turned my head? I might, perhaps. But I never forgot the last who owned my heart. You're Lanny Laurie. You do? Who is she then? My father knows her too. Twas my father who published your poems. Then you must be Katie Bark. The same. And if you forgive a plain girl for speaking her mind, I fell in love with the first line I read of your book. For my love is like a red, red rose that's newly sprung in June. Oh, my love is like the melody that sweetly play in tune. Could she be like this melody, good Robin Burns? If I had a ribbon bow to bind my hair, if I had a fancy sash, me ain't true love, he'd treat me fair. Then he would go to Ayrshire, a-logging on the right. He'd bring me back with his two hands A very fancy prize If I was like the city born All fair and smart There's not a lad in all these parts Who'd know my heart Then I would go to Ayrshire where all the law and go, I'd knock about in settlements, a wearing fur and clothes. If I had a ribbon bow to bind my hair, my red heels would go a clashing wherever my fancy should. My love would see and wish that he had taken me when he could. If I just had a ribbon bow to bind my didn't need a ribbon boat to find your own three love. But if my love is a poet. A poet? Ah, poets are a faithless lot. Ain't not to do with you. You're faithful to your Annie Laurie. But that's different. You think that's your full of poems? We poems, you say. Twas she who begged my father to make them into a book. And what did she look like, Katie Mark? I do only from a room at the top of the stairs. And she had a voice like a thrush in the spring. I, I must leave the city now. I must go back to Ayrshire. Why, Robin? I'm nailed over upon the riddles, lass. And I mean to help. 
me, lad. Uh, welcome home, Bobby Barnes. Have you seen Jean Armour here, Abu? Jean Armour? Oh, she's wilted like a flower, Robin, since you went to, uh... Nay, I've not seen her. Ah, oh, Jamie, lad. Put down your pipes and, and tell me if you've seen my, my Jean Armour. Nay, Robin. She's a stranger to the tune since she went away from Ayrshire. She's never been the same. But I hear she wanders through the rye fields all alone, marnin' in. The rye fields, Jamie. Then it's there I'll look for her. Who was that took my poems to the publishers? I didn't ken. It was a lass who came by stealth at night, who sang like a thrush in springtime. It was you, Jean Armour. No. It was. It was you who turned the tide of my life. Not I. Who made a book of my songs and saved me from leaving my native hills. It was you, Jean. And if it were me, Rhyma Robin, what matters it now? Your heart is promised to another. Another? To Annie Laurie. Jean Amour, did you never guess? There is no Annie Laurie. She's they one and everyone. The dream of perfection in every laddie's eye is Annie Laurie. And every last one makes a lad to count her kisses more than her wealth. Her name is Annie Laurie, too. And if your father will hay a poet for a son, I'll kiss my Annie Laurie. And her name is Jean Amour. back in just a minute. And our thanks to Katie Lee, who played Katie Bark, to Ted Osborne, Lamont Johnson, and Jonathan Hole, and our entire company. The authors of Annie Laurie were Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroads. Fathers of Cub Scouts must be pretty lucky fellows, for it's easy to lose that fresh, vital way in which boys look at things. And the things they learn as Scouts are extremely important and they're growing up to be the kind of boys we want them to be. During April, 
Cub Scouts everywhere will take part in Cub Scout Railroad Month. By doing this, they will learn about railroads, how they operate, what they do for the nation, how they help provide better living for all of us. This is just one way in which Cub Scouting helps teach these boys more about the world they live in. And now here again is lovely Dorothy Warrenshaw. Gordon, did my Scottish accent sound a little bit Scandinavian? Oh, not at all, Dorothy. But a few weeks ago when we did Song of Norway, they said my Scandinavian accent sounded a little bit Scottish. (laughs) (laughs) Fun doing the story of Annie Laurie with you. What's on the show train next week? The wonderful lilting music of the Great Waltz. And our guest will be another Dorothy named Kirsten. Oh, it sounds like a treat, Gordon. I'll certainly be listening. Good night. All aboard. Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out and so until next week, this is Gordon McRae saying goodbye. can be seen starring in the Warner Brothers production, The West Point Story. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroad. And now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Program was transcribed. Wonderful musical listening with the telephone hour next on NBC.